Thank you for listening to this virtual presentation of Atoptic 2020. Atoptic is a Twin Cities-based arts festival focusing on comics, zines, and print media. For obvious reasons, we could not have an in-person event this year, but in conjunction with the Gutter Boys podcast, we are able to bring you a great series of interviews and discussions. Please visit anchor.fm slash gutterboys or atoptic.org for more interviews and information on how to subscribe to our podcasts. We also created a fantastic print catalog to commemorate the applicants and exhibitors you would have seen at Autoptic 2020. For more information on how to order a catalog, please visit autoptic.org 2020. That's A-U-T-O-P-T-I-C dot org 2020. Thank you again for listening and on to the conversation. I'm Pete Fakey, Atoptic board member and cartoonist, and I'm joined today by Madeline McGrain. Madeline is a cartoonist best known for her mini comics in the vampire genre. She lives in Minneapolis and received her BFA from MCAT in 2016. Her work has appeared in Marvel Comics, Disney Publishing, College Humor, and Minneapolis Local Uncivilized Books. Madeline is currently working on The Accursed Vampire, an original graphic novel to be published by HarperCollins in 2021. Uh, welcome. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Um, yeah, just working, living, hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, yep. Relatable. I think we're all just trying to work and live and hang in there. Um, so let's, I guess we'll just let people know. So we both went to MCAD, um, and that's how we know each other. And we met in class, I think. Um, we had a lot of the same classes together. Me and MS Harkness, who I also uh, interviewed, uh, we didn't really have that relationship. We were studio partners, but me and you actually had a lot of the same classes and were involved in a lot of the same, uh, critiques and, and, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, we definitely had senior project together. I don't remember any other class well enough, but... You know, you might be right. I, I came in a little bit later, and I was doing some of the intro classes, I think, when you and Rosemary and some of the other people that were in our graduating class... We're starting to move on. I was kind of doing some of the intro stuff. But by the end, yeah, we were definitely seeing a lot of each other. And like senior project is kind of the most important and memorable. At least it was for me. I don't know if you feel that way. Yeah, that that and uh, whatever that one that comes before it, that's basically the same class. Advanced that's just like the prep seminar. for senior project. Yeah, whatever that was. Yeah, yeah, I felt the same way. I thought those were really good. And um, I really enjoyed uh, having class with you. And I think we had some really strong cartoonists in that, uh, in our graduating class there. Nice to work alongside you guys. Yeah, it was a good group. Um, and it was, I don't know, I valued how much you would talk during critique. That was like, never one of my strong points. And I got, I always got a lot of good feedback from you on my vampire Western that I was working on. Yeah. Yep, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Well, I appreciate that. I got to try to uh, not talk so much today because 
you know, I got a lot to say on pretty much anything. Even if it's not worth it, I'll be talking. <laughs> so, uh, but <laughs> but we're talking to you today, so I gotta watch it and let you let you uh, do your thing. So we're both from Wisconsin. I'm from uh, Madison, a little further south. I think you were north of me. Is that right? Um, no, I am actually grew up south of Madison. So I was born in Madison, oh, okay. and then grew up in. Monroe in the Monroe area. It's a small town known for a biennial cheese festival. So I probably haven't heard of it. I don't know. Sure. Uh, Monroe sounds familiar, but I think that's just like a common word in Wisconsin. I don't know. So it was a pretty small town then. I do have that part of my memory is right. Yeah, small town. Okay. Cool. So then... uh, what were comics like when you were growing up out there? Was there like any kind of, you know, I kind of got them in like uh, school libraries and public libraries. And I think that was sort of my first interactions. But uh, what was your experience finding comics as a kid? Um, So I first started reading like newspaper strips, which I think is pretty common, Um, like in the newspaper. And my parents just had collections of like, Calvin and Hobbes and the far side. Yeah, that was a big one. Um, So I read those like all the time. And then, yeah, definitely like the public library. I was homeschooled, so I didn't really have access to school libraries. Um, But the public library, like weird manga collections. um, And I mean, there wasn't like a comic book store like within... 50 miles well 40 miles so um i would just go and read like naruto at the library huh i don't know if i knew that that was out yet i remember me and my brother like getting into like battle angel Ilita and stuff when we were in like third and fourth grade and like kind of gnarlier some of the gnarlier stuff he especially was like really into that one um so uh what were your favorites as a kid then you were talking about um Calvin and Hobbes and the far side and some of the manga stuff were you a Tintin kid I was absolutely not a Tintin kid I interesting um I have read a little bit of it as an adult I think like the only the version that the library had was like that print where it's like really small and just like not very fun to read. So I was like picked it up and was like, no, this is too small to look at. Yeah. I wasn't into it when I was young at all either. I love it now. And I always kind of assume that you were a Tintin kid because your stuff feels so European to me. But uh, so what were you reading instead? Um, I was like, pretty much an all manga kid until like later in high school um so like naruto fulminal alchemist um that's like the extremely basic ones that i can remember and just like they were super accessible yeah super super accessible comics growing up okay Um, interesting so where uh oh go ahead uh clamp like um Cardcaptor Sakura and 
many of their other mangas, there were just like always like scattered volumes of various things available to check out. And I like wouldn't always like read a whole series. It just just finding things. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's kind of how I did it too. I I really steered away from superhero stuff because I remember like the Bruce Tim Batman cartoon was huge for me. And I remember going to pick up some Batman comics and seeing like a naked breast or like somebody bleeding or something and just like put the book back as like a little kid and was just like so like I I wasn't supposed to see that, you know? <laughs> like <laughs> Oh no. Yeah. You didn't have any of those yeah. experiences. I watched like the X-Men cartoon and like I loved the X-Men movies that were coming out then with yeah, um those ones and but there was just like really no way to like jump off into reading those comics, so I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um yeah, that's a similar experience. I'm I'm interested in this question cuz you got like there's such a legend for like the gener a generation or two of cartoonists above us where like they all have these like stories of like going to the corner store and like picking up the Archie and like you know comics were like really specifically for kids but we're you know mid late 20s and we had a really different experience with comics growing up that kind of uh, market that's so nostalgic for uh comics and kids relationships to comics didn't really exist when we were growing up I was curious if you had any of that in the small town though but it sounds like it was pretty similar yeah to, no. to my experience yeah I feel like like our generation's experience is like reading manga like yeah. either illegally online or like mm -hmm. in borders and then not buying it yeah Just, like, reading it and yeah yeah it yeah borders <laughs> yeah rip. oh my god I forgot about that yeah, totally. I remember sitting there and reading the whole first volume of Helsing and putting it back and uh, walking out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would just like get left there. Like if my mom had errands to run in Madison and I would just like read and then not buy anything and go yep. home. <laughs> so when did you start uh, drawing comics? And were you pretty young when you started or did that come later? Um. Yeah, I was always, like, kind of an art kid. Like, drawing was kind of the only thing that I was good at. Like, I wasn't good at writing. I wasn't particularly good at school-related things. Um, so I kind of put all my energy into that. And I liked telling stories, but I am hated writing. And I still don't love writing. So comics was kind of, like, a natural conclusion to that um and I didn't like I don't have like some like huge epic comic that I was like working on in middle school or something but I did like make like one page comics pretty frequently sure and that was that was like around middle school or earlier yeah like middle school and then into high school and I like got more serious about it okay yeah so then um how does that turn into the decision to major in comics at MCAD? Because that's like, I feel like we got that in common where we're both lifers in that way, where like when you go 
to school for comics, you're making a very specific decision about what to do with your future, you know? And it's kind of a, I think it's kind of a weird decision to make in some ways. Yeah, like it's a pretty wild decision to be allowed to like make <laughs> at age 17. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think I like started applying to art schools with the intention of going into animation because that was like regarded as a slightly more like viable career than comics. But I, and like, I like cartoons, but I don't like them enough to like really get into animation, I think in the end. So I like went to MCAT and thought about being an animator and then just like went into comics because it's what I love and like what I want to be reading all the time and what I want to be doing all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a really similar experience. Um, the other thing about comics too is you just uh, you can do it all by yourself, right? You don't need a production team, and you don't need um, and uh, you know you can do that with animation too. But you can get a comic done a lot faster if you're yeah. working alone. <laughs> oh, definitely. Like you're not putting weeks of work into like a one minute animation. It's just and like maybe I'm not a good team player. Maybe I. I think I kind of like just like doing everything on my own and that's like been an interesting thing with the graphic novel like it's good to have input from another person but I like it's a lot to get used to to like have have other people like giving me feedback when I normally would yeah just be, like, so you're me. right so you're talking about uh working with an editor then yes with with getting feedback right yeah, that'd be a new experience. Yeah. How's that been? That's uh how much feedback are they giving you? Are they pretty hands-on or are they are you mostly doing your own thing and then just kind of getting notes? Um mostly doing my own thing and like my editor is so helpful and like pointing out if I'm like just like inconsistent or like not explaining things. And also like the graphic novel is for a middle grade audience, so sometimes mm-hmm. I will like put things in there that might not be considered appropriate and like they don't really need to be there so I can make the decision to take them out if they're like not necessary for the story just to like make my life easier I guess yeah I I assumed uh because you sent me the first chapter of the uh the upcoming book which again is the accursed vampire um, so you sent me the first chapter of that, and I noticed the conspicuous lack of uh, actual scenes of them actually drinking the blood. It's always like just after, and you've got a little bit in there, but it's always just after, and they're like dabbing with a napkin or something instead. I assume that that was kind of coming from the editor and working with the middle grade audience. Yeah, that was like my choice mostly. Oh, um, sure. I wasn't sure if it would be okay um, to like show the children like biting people so they don't really. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I was actually, I was a little bit surprised with the uh, blood at all. I was like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. I hope it's okay. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe they haven't said anything about it. Get banned and I'll, <laughs> I don't know. 
ostracized from society. Well, you'll be in some good company there. Well, we're already starting to talk about vampires a little bit here. So my uh, my next question here is this obligatory. And I apologize in advance because I know that this is something you've already been asked a lot. And it's something that you're going to be asked for the rest of your career. But uh, I feel like we can't not do it, right? Uh, so here's our obligatory best vampire stories question. Um, which I guess, you know, we can use this to kind of talk about, uh, how that became a thing for you, because this is, this is very specific. And in the, you know, four or five years that I've known you, you've worked almost exclusively in this genre. And so, you know, clearly you have this very specific connection to it. Um, but yeah, best stories and, uh, I guess kind of where this came from. Um, that is a good question. And I always feel like I don't really have a good answer for it. Um, I wasn't like a horror or vampire obsessed like kid or anything. I think like I probably like consumed about as much vampire media as anyone else. And then like, I don't know, mid high school, I read like Anne Rice a little bit and that was like pretty influential. Um, and I think, yeah, like Interview with the Vampire is a big like influence on a lot of people that like vampires. And I don't know, I personally love it. It's like kind of a, a problematic fave at this point. Like Anne Rice is a very, I don't know, strange figure as like an author. But um, I don't know any of the details here. I, I saw the movie. I think I have a VHS copy of it in my apartment right now, but I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, I mean, Brad Pitt and Antonio Banderas, like, almost kiss, so that's, like, pretty great. The rest yeah. of the movie is, you know, Tom Cruise in a wig. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the drama, though. It really, uh, it really does have that piece of overlap with your work where uh, you're doing vampires, but you're you're more just kind of showing people's lives under extreme circumstances. And it's got that real uh, emotional core to it. Yeah. And I think like I, when I make vampire stories, they're like almost always told from the perspective of a vampire. Like it's not like a horror story about people like, Mm -hmm. and then there are vampires. It's like a vampire, like going about their life. So it's like very much from the perspective of that. Yeah. And then uh, on your website, all the comics we're going to be talking about are are, uh, from your website. And you've done a great job of cataloging your stuff there, which I thank you for because I misplaced a lot of your hard copies. I'm, I'm, I have to dig them up. I can't find my uh, ice heist or anything, which oh, I'm bummed about. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pull your website up here and uh, make sure that I get the right title here. Yeah, the old, the oldest one on your website here, the old friends. Um, so that one, you're talking from the perspective of uh, a human interacting with a vampire, but it's very similar where, uh, to me, that comic felt like it was really about uh, dealing with loss and sort of using the genre as a way to explore these like very, very human 
uh, I guess, very mortal uh, concerns, you know. Um, this one is uh, her friend dies and then comes back as a vampire, and it's sort of, um, that's the crux of that one. That's a that's yeah. an older one. Do you remember working on that one? I do. Um, I made it like not for a class assignment during like um, first semester of junior year, which was like the most hellish semester at MCAD for me. And it was just so refreshing to make this comic because I was like ta- taking so many classes and not like making comics for them at that time. Um, and that comic, it's like it's about loss and it's about like losing touch with someone and then like still being able to find something in common with them and find them um and yeah that's like a lot of what my vampire comics are about it's like yeah being an outsider or like feeling like an outsider and just like kind of accepting like who you are and like the limitations that you have yeah interesting there's um i think that kind of speaks to one of the other questions that i have here which is um the appeal of genre in general because i i uh from seeing you develop as a cartoonist and in school my memories are that you were pretty much always working within genre and like traditional genre so you're doing like vampire stuff you've got your uh, vampire western um i think when we were in school you were doing you would do the occasional espionage comic um i don't know if you've done as much of that publicly since but um and you know my stuff is very genre based as well so i've got my own ideas about this but uh, do you want to talk about the appeal of genre a little more yeah i think like we've actually talked about this before that it has like this established language that you can to re- you can kind of like rely on to a certain point and like you've got these like signifiers about what's going on so it's like something for a reader to like grasp onto really quickly and understand what you're trying to say without like as much legwork and it's just like kind of like working within like existing stories to like make new things yeah totally i was thinking about that in uh in relation to autobio the other night too because it's like in autobio the genre is like real life you know like we all know the rules of real life so it kind of does that legwork too but it's just like when you have you know the western we all like know what the rules of the western are so the rules of how this thing works are all out of the way and you can just tell your story yeah exactly yeah cool um so kind of staying along this line um do you want to talk about the experience of uh, doing and kind of being known for one thing um is this is this just my perspective where it's like you're the vampire cartoonist or is this sort of a a wider thing is this really what you're known for um yeah this is like this is what i'm known for and like i show up at conventions and like every comic on my table is about vampires (laughs) yeah okay cool (laughs) it usually says in like whatever social media bio i have that i like vampires so it has become like 
what I'm known for. Yeah. So how does that, uh, how does that work for you? Um, I think it's, it's fun. Like other people that are into vampires will like immediately recognize vampires and like be excited to see something about vampires. Um, I also like am asked if I have like an opinion on like any vampire comic or book or movie and like sometimes I don't have an opinion and sometimes I've never heard of it um and then like everyone asks me if I've seen what we do in the shadows and like of course I've seen it like mm-hmm. it's good or it's anymore. bad what do you it's good it's really fun <laughs> it's very cute yeah I like it too <laughs> yeah. yeah but like I saw it in theaters so like I've seen we're it we're done talking about it it's okay <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you find it limiting in any way? Do you feel like you, uh, do you feel yourself feeling boxed in at all ever? Or do you think you've got enough of a, a sandbox here to work on? Um, I don't feel limited by it. Um, sometimes I think I've, I'm better at like making vampire comics and that like, I'm just like not good enough at other things to like make other kinds of stories or that like people that like my vampire work won't necessarily like anything else that I do. But like when I get client work, um, if I'm like working with a writer or something, it's it's never vampire stuff. Like I wasn't like paid to make anything about vampires until this graphic novel. So like, I, I guess- Is like, that a relief when you get to do something else or are you just kind of like, all right, we'll get this shit out of the way and then I can get back to vampires? Uh. <laughs> Very much the second one. Before the graphic novel, like, all of my client work was, like, get the bills paid. Like, I wasn't super attached to anything. It was just, like, it it was a job. It was, like, clocking in and drawing some things. Well, it's interesting to me, too, that you say uh, you don't feel like you're strong in other... to do other kinds of comics. You have the one on your website about the uh, wildfire Um, this like big historic wildfire in Wisconsin and um, I thought that one for me actually kind of like really captured what I think is so good about your work Um, and that you've taken this uh, natural event and personified it and made that thing relatable um, and I think you do that really well. Um, and that comic was kind of a thrill for me too. Cause I feel like I'm like seeing something I'm not supposed to see when you're like publishing something that's not vampires. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's interesting that you, uh, have those concerns. Oh, that's really great to hear about the, the Peshtigo fire comic. Um, I haven't thought about that in a while because I made it for an anthology uh, like two or three years ago. Yeah, it's a beautiful comic. I think the way you've uh, put your figures together in that is um, really fantastic. It's uh, beautiful line work on there. And then your colors are are excellent as always. Um, So do you, yeah, do you have any ideas on where your style comes from? Because I I mentioned earlier, you feel like you have these very European sensibilities to me. And I think I've said this to you before. Um, And uh, 
talking about what you're reading as a kid and maybe we could talk about uh more of what you're reading now um as part of this but uh do you have any ideas of where this specific style is coming from because it sounds like you you were not necessarily reading stuff that looks like this uh yeah this my style like changed very very significantly probably like before we met and like started reading each other's comics in class um so like before mcad i was like reading i don't know whatever like popular image comics were coming out at the time yeah i mean they're 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 good they're fine um but i like i wanted to draw like that like i wanted my work to look like that and then like i got to mcad and like was told to read like um Isaac the Pirate and the Rabbi's Cat and like uh, Miss okay. Don't Touch Me and then I was like oh I'm gonna draw exactly like this and that's what I do <laughs> so that was like pretty recent in the scheme of things well that puts some pieces together for me because in the time that I've known you you've been like an exceptionally consistent cartoonist um, and I guess I just assume that uh, you've always been that way um, no, not at all <laughs> i just saw something i liked and then i was like i'm doing this now sure so is that more of what you're reading lately is it more of this uh sort of european isaac the pirate kind of stuff or what are you what are you reading these days um that's a really really good question i kind of read everything like i don't like I keep up with whatever Karasquad is publishing because they're probably my favorite. Say that again? I don't think I've ever heard of them. Uh, Karasquad, um, like Beauty, um, Beautiful Darkness, Miss Don't Touch Me. Uh, yeah, this is all stuff I've never heard of. Well, you should look them up. Very, very cool. Yeah, send me a link. Very cool, very yeah. cartooning. Um, I will send you a link. But... Right now, I reading some manga, reading B Stars, the the like furry high school manga. Um, that's kind of like the most recent thing. I haven't, I really haven't been reading a lot of comics. Yeah, I have taken kind of a break too. I think with uh, all of the uh, uprisings and shutdowns and all of the fluctuations going on outside of i've found it more difficult to read lately yeah i just kind of like am not in the mood i guess to like seek out things and like get really excited about them so if i am reading something it's just to like turn my brain off at night it's not to like think about it (laughs) yeah i've been i got a uh like old pulp magazine of uh, true crime stuff from like 1951 that I've been reading at bedtime. Just exactly that. Just something to turn your brain off. So um, going back a little bit, um, when you were talking about feeling like you didn't have a very good answer for um, how you got into drawing vampire comics, I'm curious, so do you think that, do you have this experience of, like, uh, this thing kind of chose you versus you chose it? Yeah, that that's actually, that describes it pretty well. I made one vampire comic for a class at MCAD, and it was, like, 
it just like felt right. Um, and it was like a bunch of things clicked and I just like wanted to keep telling stories about vampires. So when you when you drew that comic and it was clicking and it was feeling right, um, did you have like a, a really positive reaction from your peers at that moment too? Um, I don't remember. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm asking, I'm... I'm asking, I, I was just reading like a history of uh, like turn of the century newspaper comics and the thing that they like are so fixated on in that era is like, is the comic a hit? And so I've started stretching that out into like our own indie stuff and our own indie sensibilities and, um, you know, finding uh, finding ways that like the thing hit. You know, Emma, when I was talking to Ms. Harkness, she's talking about um, the first time she did Autobio. Everybody was like, oh, cool. So she had like this little hit there and it turned into this whole process. Um, I don't think like I didn't get a great response from my class. I don't think. Yeah, I didn't have like a lot of like great responses from my classes I think in my early MCAT years and then like I think my vampire comics did start getting like a little bit more attention on the internet which is always like like I love getting attention on the internet oh my god it's the best so I that was like a great response and like that also kind of keeps me going like I kind of don't like admitting that just like getting that hit of likes if I post a comic (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, it's one of the reasons I think um, that that's super interesting to hear. Um, and to me, it's just sounding like you're like a thorough, like through and through weirdo where you're just going to fucking show up and and do your thing and uh, try to find a way to get everybody to like what you're doing versus the other way around, um, which I love. But that's uh, it's, it's kind of one of the reasons that I'm so excited to be talking to you today and uh interviewing you is i feel like you've you've been so consistent and so good and so under talked about and uh i was kind of assuming maybe that was a little bit of my perception too but it's something like you've kind of experienced that and it's not always like people are uh are talking about what you're doing but i think you know in the time that i've known you everything i've seen from you has been fantastic i do think you're starting to hit now i mean you got the harper collins book coming up so oh yeah absolutely like i'm coming to my stride i'm popular online i've got everything i ever wanted he loves you <laughs> yeah yeah book deal money <laughs> um but yeah i mean i guess to answer that like if i was the only person in the world and i just would like I would probably still draw comics just for me. Like if I somehow like was the only person that existed and somehow knew what comics were because like, that's how much I love them. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of where my idea for this question about uh, deciding to go major in comics comes from is I, I, I get that sense from you. I really do get that sense from you as a creator. And yeah, it feels, it feels good. It feels validating to like, get attention for my work and like be paid pretty well to like make the book that I absolutely want to be making. But yeah, I think if I was like lived in obscurity, 
I would still be making comics. Probably not as often, but I, I would. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I wonder about that with myself sometimes because I, I, uh, I rely on that, like, you know, the gratification from likes. And I, you know, I'm, like, constantly terrified that I'm, like, some fucking hack that, <laughs> that is, like, you know, doing hacky work and is no good. And I need people to tell me that it's good so that I know that I should keep going, you know. I wonder about that with myself. Yeah. I stick and with I like it. to, like, trace this back to my childhood. And, like, I mean, I got people praised me for drawing well, like adults and like other children. So I just, am I like still that like little kid that just like wants to be told I'm the best at drawing? <laughs> I mean, I think, I think we probably all are, you know, we're, uh, it's well documented that there's not a lot of money in this business and, um, you know, we stick with it anyway. Um, I'm glad you got the books coming and I'm glad you're getting paid and I, and, uh, you know, I'm glad that's working out and that you don't have to be scraping quite as much. Although, you know, I'm sure it's not a ton of money on the book deal, all things considered. Um, yeah, like, I mean, it's like so much more than I've ever been paid for anything, but it like works out to like a pretty like entry level salary at like any other job, but it's still like, it's, great and i hope i can continue doing this um i hope so too and i you know i want to see your work continue to hit and spread and uh people put some money behind it um well we're kind of talking about the graphic novel a little more here do you want to talk about um just kind of walk us through getting work with Marvel and Disney and College Humor and then ultimately how that leads into uh, working with HarperCollins. Yeah, um, I I don't know if like anything directly led to anything. Um, like when I was working with, Dis uh, with Disney, I was like assisting, like I was doing flats for someone else's graphic novel. Um, and that's how I met my agent. And then she was like very helpful in getting a book deal for me and like kind of like guiding me and making a book pitch, um, making the proposal, which I didn't, despite taking classes at MCAT, I did not really know how to put together a book proposal. Um, so I think she was like, crucial in like being able to get that and like having the right connections so did she see your work and just be like hey you got to start working on some of this stuff um or how did that how did that happen yeah i think she got my name um from when i started working on that book just like helping out on that book um and then which one was that for the flats for what book um, was that it was for uh Disney's The Descendants graphic novel. Um, uh, so Kat Fajardo did the art for it and like some other people wrote it. I I don't have it on hand. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Well, you did the flats. It doesn't great. sound like you were. Sure. Cool. Um, how did the uh, Marvel 
job happen? That was the Squirrel Girl. You did one or two pages. Is that right? Yeah, I did like a couple pages over a few different issues. I don't know how that happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, the editor just like emailed me and I did it. And that's all. <laughs> and I'm well, like, I think I think that's a real testament to the strength of your work that you're getting a cold call from Marvel for Squirrel Girl. Um, that I was a moment so. we were talking. We were talking off mic earlier about uh you know, jealousy among ourselves. And that was a moment when I walked into the comic shop and flipped the book open and saw your stuff on the monthly page. And I was just like, God damn it. This is so cool. And I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah. I got to be in a book with Anders Nilsson and yeah. uh, Garfield creator, Jim Davis, which I forget about <laughs> all the time. And it's super weird. Just like, John Arbuckle, Silver mm. Surfer, wearing shorts uh -huh. for some reason. Wonderful <laughs> comic. Thank you, Jim Davis. That's I forgot Anders was in there. That's cool because uh, you had classes from him, right? Yeah, I had one class with him. He's a he's a cool dude. Um, yeah, he drew Wolverine shotgunning a beer with his claws. Which I, <laughs> I love. I think that's the best part of that. The the zine issue of Squirrel Girl. Yeah. Yeah, so you were, what, you were just a couple of years out of MCAD then, so you yeah. are taking classes from him, and then you're published alongside him within a couple of years. Yeah, I guess that's cool. <laughs> you didn't really think about it like that before? Yeah, I mean, like, I did that job, and then I was, like, also working at, like, a, a coffee chain and, like, getting up at 4 a.m. to, like, make lattes for people that did not like me <laughs> and did not take yeah, me very well. Yeah, don't read comics and so, don't, yeah, right. He's just and working there like, like none of you none of oh, you guys read comics. You went to art school. How's that working out for you? Which is <laughs> the worst thing to hear from a customer. And I wish I could like yeah. track all of them down right now and tell them like how I'm making a great living off of comics, but that's like really yeah. funny and weird and I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I think we all feel that way though. Definitely. We all just want to rub it in their faces. You're making it happen. It's it's worth being proud of, you know. Um, so you are on the tail end of the graphic novel now, right? You're mostly working on edits. Is that right? Yeah, edits, um, like things like tweaking the cover, um, like working on chapter openers. So just like the last few things. And I'm, I've just like lost momentum and I feel like I'm trying to wring out a dry towel to get like the last drops of something of like comics making juice. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before the project is done, there's always that kind of, uh, it's like a little bit of a, there's an excitement when you're finishing a project, but there's also that sort of nagging feeling of like, boy, I'm going to turn this thing in and then, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Yeah, then I have to like write another graphic novel and start working on yeah, that. Yeah, right. I don't you know if that. I can do that right now. <laughs> That's just a lot. Do you, does your contract stipulate that you really get moving on the next one right away or can you take some breathing room? Um, I'm supposed to start on it. Like traditional publishing, like everything takes forever. And so it would be pretty flexible, like if I wanted to move it back. But like, if I push things back, I don't get paid as quickly also. So it's like 
up to me and like what what I'm capable of doing I guess but yeah I could definitely like push it back I think hopefully yeah well so you've had a little bit of time then um being on the tail end here to uh get a good feel how many pages is the upcoming one um the accursed vampire is like 160 pages i think okay so it's like yeah so you've you've had some time to kind of reflect on what it feels like to draw you know 20 pages 30 pages versus 160 pages Um, and this is the first time you've done a book of that length so how how has that transition been for you oh um it's been interesting i feel like it's so inconsistent looking um so i would like everyone when they read this book to like leave a month in between reading chapters because it's divided into eight chapters so just like leave some time and then so forget what it looks like and then read the next yeah, chapter. come back to it i don't know if it's really that bad but it's definitely like like things change if you're like drawing something for four months like it's gonna look different well maybe for me it looks different I notice it. I definitely, as you get more comfortable with it, you know, you can design your characters as much as you want, but once you draw them 200 times for pages, you just start cartooning it a little different. You know, you just get your little tricks on it. Yeah. And like Dragoslova, the main character, they, like, I've been drawing them since 2016. And they look completely different now from like what they look like then. Like they used to have a neck, which I forgot about. <laughs> and now they're just like, their their head is a circle and their body is a triangle. <laughs> yeah. Well, so when you say you've been drawing them since 2016, is that the uh, Halloween comics where they, I'm assuming that's their first appearance, the, the trio. Um, the trio's first appearance was actually in this, like, really short comic I made, um, for a convention in, like, December of 2016. So, like, I first drew them, like, in the fall. And then Halloween Comics was the next year. Okay, so, yeah, and then Halloween Comics, that's the oldest version of them you have on your website then. Yeah, I think I've gotten rid of everything else because I am not as confident about how it looks. Like I've just like the way I've drawn has changed. Well, I uh, read all of the stuff on your website and the first chapter of the new book and I didn't notice it looking different. So I think I'm a pretty careful reader. So I think you're probably safe. Well, cool. It's all in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you spent so much time with them, right? Yeah, you spend so much time with them and you start to see those details. Yeah, and like the thing about these past few months in like quarantine lockdown, like all I have to do is like look at my book and worry about my book and work on my book. And like it's been kind of efficient for finishing it because I haven't been like traveling because I normally go to conventions and do other things, but it's also like just like hyper focusing on it, which isn't super healthy all the time. It's the way I do everything. I'm so hyper focused on it. I drive myself crazy. <laughs> um, we were talking a little before about some of the uh, 
themes of the older vampire comics that you were doing that were more aimed at an adult audience. Um, so yeah, we're, we're mentioning the one about, uh, loss being a big part of it. And then you're talking about, um, the sort of like outsider sensibility from the vampire's perspective before we were recording, I was telling you that I, I felt like you have this sort of sense of like outsiders watching people be normal it's like a voyeurism on like what a normal life is like uh which i think a lot of cartoonists probably relate to um and then yeah you've got some other stuff in here too there's there's sort of like the difficulty of loss the inevitability of loss you know where uh somebody transitions and they're a vampire now and they live forever but they've lost their humanity you know there's no way to avoid losing something um, and then you've got these like relationships to self with identity. Am I just rambling here? Am I doing too much? Ah, uh, no, no. You're just, I don't know, analyzing my comics in like a way that I don't know if I can talk about very well. So it's, I don't know, cool for me to hear personally. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was just going to ask if you, uh, have thought at all about how some of these like bigger uh i would say more adult but uh you know they're pretty human um themes and feelings and and emotional cores um to your stories how that has transitioned into doing more middle grade work um i think like all of those themes very much like have carried over into the accursed vampire like it's themes of like loss and like kind of like your relationship to yourself like once you've changed in this permanent way and like I don't know coping with like living forever and like I don't know yeah so you're (laughs) not uh you're not it's not a big transition it seems like to go from uh, go into this middle grade work it seems like you started maybe kind of doing this with the vampire horse comics is that a fair assessment oh yeah absolutely like the vampire horse comics are like all ages and fun basically right so that seems like maybe another transition there where it just kind of happened naturally um and you just started sort of working more middle grade does that feel yeah 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 And I'm not really, I don't really remember my motivations for making the first Vampire Horse comic. I think I just, like, I had some time and I wanted to draw a comic. So I just, like, drew this very, very silly idea Um, because I I love horses and, Mm -hmm. like, the Western genre Mm -hmm. along with vampires. Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about Dirt Creek yet. (laughs) Um, Yeah, those are the two hard copies that I still have is the Dirt Creek stuff. Oh, good. Um, Those are rare. Yeah. Are they? Yeah, I'm never printing them again. Sure. Yeah, it's old work. It's easy to just let it go out of print. Um, well, I think that's most of what I have for you. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, not really. Other than that, my my book will be out, um, The Accursed Vampire, published by HarperCollins. Um, it'll be out next year at some point. I think next summer, summer 2021. I'm not mm-hmm. really sure, but 
Yeah, is the uh, do you know if the publishing schedule has been interrupted at all? Or are I things still more or less on track? Think so, but I have absolutely no idea actually. So I, I yeah, I don't know. We'll find out once we turn it in. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, can you you said that you can kind of talk about the new book. Do you want to tell us what it's about? How much are you able to say about it? Um, I can probably like talk about it as much as I want to to a certain extent. It's just like it like it's not fully turned in yet. It's not set in stone. I don't know when it will be like available to pre-order and those important book things. Um, but it's about um this vampire named Dragosleva and their two friends, um, Quintus and Esli, and um, kind of Dragosleva's life and like the mistakes they've made and just learning to be like a better vampire kid and like find happiness and stuff. Yeah, right on. I, you know, it sounds pretty heavy and uh, it sounds pretty similar to what I've seen from your other work, which seems like that's maybe kind of a push in middle grade stuff to uh, not water it down so much and let, let kids read about some of this more complicated stuff. Yeah, I think a lot of middle grade work is like very complex and like deals with, I don't know, heavier themes. Like it's definitely like, you kind of have to package it in a way and like avoid certain things. But like, these are definitely like concepts that children are familiar with and like experience and right. want to read about. So, yeah, totally, totally. Well, cool. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure it's going to be a good book. The, uh, stuff that I've seen in that first chapter, um, you got a couple of splash pages in there that are really, top-notch stuff so i'm looking forward to reading this thing uh cool thank you i hope everyone <laughs> is looking forward to reading it yeah and if you're listening to this don't let the uh middle grade label turn you off because uh you know you're doing fantastic stuff i can't say enough good things about your work and uh you know you should be reading this you just buy this book, read it, and uh, buy the next one when it comes out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do it. do it, yeah. Um, Where can people uh, keep up with you? Um, You can find me on Twitter at Mad McGrain, um, or Instagram also at Mad McGrain, or my website, which is MadelineMcGrain.com. Yeah, and if you're unfamiliar with Madeline's work, I recommend popping over to the website. You can get through pretty much everything on there in, I think, under a couple of hours. Um, and, uh, yeah, you got a lot of good work on there and uh, stuff that's worth rereading for sure. So check it out. And then I'm going to do my plug real quick, too. Uh, if you're interested in my stuff, uh, I'm at the stink hole with underscores in between each word on Instagram. I know Madeline's making a face at me right now because it's such a dumb handle. Um, <laughs> but that's what it is. And uh, I guess I stand by it because I haven't changed it yet. So um, that's me. I'm only on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter. And then uh, follow Autoptic on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I think it's just at Autoptic, maybe Autoptic Fest. 
Um, and check out the website because we got a blog going on there too um, where we will be posting updates about the show. Thank you again for listening to this presentation of Autoptic 2020. For more information about our organization and events, please remember to visit autoptic.org. That's A-U-T-O-P-T-I-C dot org.